1: In today's sermon, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues looking at chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. We've already seen in chapters 4 and 5 of this book that there's a lot of symbolic language. Too many times, theologians and preachers get lost in the symbolism of Revelation, and they miss the main point, which is that God is the focus of all the worship and all the activity in heaven. As chapter 5 opens, We see God the Father sitting upon the throne with a book in his hand. The book's a scroll with seven seals, and no man is worthy to take that book out of the hand of God. But praise the Lord, the Lamb of God is worthy. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, marches up to the throne of God and takes the book because he indeed is worthy. And the reason he's worthy is because he was slain and he redeemed us to God by his death, burial, and resurrection out of every kindred and nation and tongue and tribe, and that's why he's worthy of worship. Join us as we continue looking today at chapter 5 of the book of Revelation.
0: 7. And he, that is the Lamb of God, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now I don't know about you, but I wouldn't feel authorized to take a book out of God's hand. <laughs> See, this was the only one that could do it. He was One with God. He was equal with God. That's what it means when we say we believe in the deity of Christ. You see, when Jesus came into this world, he didn't lay aside his deity. He laid aside his glory. He he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, but he was still God. He was God manifest in the flesh. He's always been God. He's one with God. And therefore, he was the one that could take the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts. And four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, capital L, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, I'm not sure what all the connections are here.
1: But we do see this, that when Jesus takes the book,
0: these four beasts, and you remember they're not monsters. Beast just means a living being. They worship God. They uh, displayed attributes of God. And if you want to go back and listen to that sermon, you'll see how that We describe that. But these beasts, as well as those 24 elders, which were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament, and I believe you could expand it to represent all of God's children, although they're not there at this time, but in a figurative sense, this this is the idea of God's people and His creatures, especially those around the throne, worshiping Him in heaven. And when Jesus takes this book, notice what happens. He says, these these four beasts and these four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints. In other words, The prayers of God's people are heard at the throne of God. And part, listen to this, part of the worship in heaven is the prayers of God's people that are still on earth. You're not directly worshiping him in the sense that those creatures and those 24 elders are. But notice this, when the book is taken, activity is going on in heaven and whenever God or Jesus does something in heaven everything they do is worthy of worship isn't it and when something transpired even though all we understand so far is that Jesus took the book out of the right hand of God that is activity going on in heaven and it's not random it's not without person and without purpose and when something happens in heaven the response is worship and on this occasion the prayers of the saints of God the children of God are all Offered by these elders as part of that worship. But then notice how clear this gets now. Verse 9. Again, this is the 4 and 20 elders, which could figuratively refer to all of God's people. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Now those in heaven acknowledge that Jesus is worthy to open the book. They acknowledge and realize he's the only one. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood and of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The reason Jesus is worthy to open the book, although we don't know what the contents are yet, is that he is the redeemer. Amen. That's the only reason we have so far. That's a pretty good reason, isn't it? He's the redeemer. And what I love about this verse that I've quoted many times is here salvation by grace plainly taught in the figurative language of revelation. And there are many today that would come close to the doctrines of grace, and yet they, they don't embrace this plain language in the book of Revelation. Notice what he says. Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. Why? Because you have slain and you've redeemed us to God. You can't get any simpler than that. He didn't make us redeemable. He redeemed us. And to redeem means a price was paid and ultimately possession was will be taken of that which was purchased. That's what the word redeem means. There's nothing you do, nothing you add to it, no condition. Jesus alone redeemed his people. And aren't you glad it's that way that he didn't do part of the job? He didn't, he's not hoping we'll finish it. His work wasn't insignificant and only a small portion that meet the requirements will ever be in heaven. No, notice what it says here. He redeemed us to God. How? By thy blood. That doesn't include anything you did or anything about you. He redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There's the doctrine of election. And election doesn't embrace a few. It embraces more than any other doctrine could. Because it doesn't depend on the gospel getting there. It doesn't depend on Bibles being there. Jesus alone redeemed his people. Out of every kindred, tongue, people and nation. Any geographical location. uh, Any language. Any language, culture, fill in the blank. He's got people everywhere and he redeemed every one of them. Look at this in verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Now, how how many times have you heard someone take a little phrase like this and and then build this big idea that, yeah, the Lord's going to come back. He's going to physically set up a kingdom here. He's going to reign on the earth a thousand years and we're going to reign with him. Now, I realize that there's some more description and reference to a thousand years later in the book of Revelation. But let's just take what is said here. All that is said here as we shall reign on the earth. Now, in the Old Testament, you remember, as long as the nation of Israel was obedient to God, they reigned on the earth. Now, they were a physical kingdom unlike the church today, but as long as they honored the God God, they were the dominant military. <laughs> Nobody could take them out because God was the captain of their military. And it it didn't require that they have more soldiers or more advanced weaponry. All that mattered is they honored God and he fought their battles for them. All they had to do was go in and drive the enemy out. So obviously Israel reigned with God on the earth when they were obedient to him, when they... Rebelled, they did anything but reign on the earth. They were defeated by their enemies. Well, in like matter, who's going to enjoy life in this world the most? I'm not talking about who's going to enjoy worldliness in this life the most. I'm saying just the opposite. Who's going to enjoy life in this world? It's God's people. When they're obedient to God, they have a peace. They have a sense of purpose. They have the church. They have fellowship with the Lord's people that bleeds over into how they live their lives. They're not trying to manipulate and cheat people and take advantage of people. They actually can go home at night and even though if there's problems at work, they can have peace with the Lord. That's what he's talking about. This is not some future prophecy of a kingdom yet to be established. This is what you can have now the same way they could in the first century although going through persecution. You know, they had something then we don't have. Think of the people that were martyred and the way they endured it. I'm afraid I would deny the Lord to get out of it. You know, somebody posted on Facebook one time, I forgot exactly the wording of it, but the... the, The thing put forth was, if you were going through persecution, and I don't remember if they used a biblical example, would you be faithful to God? And every response was, yes, yes, yes. You know what I said? I said, I'm afraid I would be like Peter and say, I never knew the man. They got a confidence I don't have. People can say that that have never suffered, that have never been persecuted. I would like to say that, and I hope I would, but I don't have some great confidence when I look at how even Peter, an apostle who eventually became one of the greatest defenders of the faith, denied the Lord three times. But you see, we can reign on the earth enjoying Listen. In the same way that the land of Canaan flowed with milk and honey and it took two men to carry out a cluster of grapes. Man, they reigned on the earth, didn't they? We'll just apply that spiritually to our life today. He's made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast about and the beast and the elders and the number of them. Now, this is not just the number of angels. Watch what he says here. He's already talked some about the beast, those four beasts and the 24 elders but I believe it's fitting that now, after Jesus has been recognized and worshiped as the Redeemer of His elect people all over the world, that now John says, I heard the voice of many angels about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. In other words, millions and millions. Again, that's figurative, but whenever you read the word thousand, That means a big number. And notice how he says it here. The number then was not just a thousand, but it was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I believe he's just simply saying, this is a number you can't comprehend. This is multiplied millions around the throne. This is not 144,000. Somebody says, well, brother, buddy, that's what the book of Revelation says. Yes, the number 144,000 is in the book of Revelation. It's there. But obviously, it's not talking about how many people will go to heaven. He says here, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And notice what they're saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, And under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Now, while this chapter brings to our attention a book sealed with seven seals, and chapter six is going to talk all about that book and what is conveyed when each of those sealed are opened and the the contents are read. But notice that the main overarching focus of chapter 5 is the, the one that's worthy and able to open this important book. And that's going to be significant when you see what this book's all about and and how it applies to the affairs of this world and the affairs of your life in this world that the one in control of this book the one who is who is revealing the contents of the book is jesus christ the lamb of god and if you don't get anything else out of this chapter i hope this will convince you that you don't do anything to save yourself. Jesus is worshiped because he redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And he talks about these millions that are worshiping God. Oh, you primitive Baptists, aren't you all the ones that just believe only a few are going to heaven? No, we're we're not them. (laughs) There may be somebody that believes that, but that's not what we believe. We believe even those people that live where the Bible has never been read, a, a preacher has never preached at, there's even places where people have lived and died, even in modern history and probably even now, where the Bible's still not in their language and dialect. They, don't, they couldn't read it if they had it. But that has no effect that Jesus redeemed them to God by his blood. Amen. The difference would be it would help them reign on the earth. That's right. That's right. And that's why we are evangelistic. Amen. Don't leave here saying, well, Brother Buddy doesn't believe in preaching to people that have never heard the gospel because they're going to heaven anyway. The gospel is the most important thing a child of God needs while he's in this world. The most important thing. And the true gospel, which is the good news that Jesus redeemed us, will do them much more good than a gospel that is presented as a proposition the lord's will hopefully we can look at that book tonight but this morning just keep in mind the one that's qualified to handle the book and reveal the contents of it
1: thank you for joining us today on the zion primitive baptist church podcast i hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.